Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What is good, everybody? Welcome to episode 25 of the Off Day Debrief, part of the SB Nation NFL show. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero from Niners Nation. Hope you're doing well. And with me, as always, on this Tuesday is Brandon Lee Gowton from Bleeding Green Nation. What is up? Stats, I'm sad. It's not because Carson Wentz is no longer with the Eagles. I'm not sad about that. <laughs> uh, but I'm sad because I'm looking at the Apple podcast reviews here for the SB Nation NFL show stats, and there hasn't been a new one since February 9th. So uh, pretty sad. Please go in there. Leave a rating review. Want to hear from you. Uh, we'll be glad to read it here on this podcast. But I'm also sad, Stats, because, uh, you know, it's a it's obviously a pandemic, so that's not great. But uh, still being impacted by it a year later. And unlike the time that would, uh, unlike n- normally this year at this time, I should say, uh, there's no NFL combine. Yeah, it is not February 9th, the date of our last review. It's February 23rd. This is combine time. This is the time when we're, you know, waiting with bated breath to look at 40 times and vertical jumps and all that stuff and who's which quarterbacks are are six feet or six two and how big are their hands all that stuff and I know everyone thinks it's dumb I love it like I'm here for all of it I know some of it is overblown and overrated and I get that but like I love football and this is like the next part of football for me so I really do miss this there's that aspect, just like the draft, you know, watching the players on the TV, the the TV experience of it all. Um, there's the, you know, players are talking, the prospects are talking to teams, and you're you're saying, oh wow, my favorite team talked to this player. That means we're gonna draft him. You know, you get all those. Uh, so that's always great. I always feel like that must be annoying for the player to be just asked that same question. Did you meet with this team? Yeah. Did you meet with this team? Yeah. Did you meet with this team? No. Um, so we're not getting that this year, but. Another big part of the combine stats, and I feel like this kind of gets underrated, is how it actually functions, you know, in the NFL as this meeting of the minds in terms of all these different teams, these agents for these players, and it's really kind of, you know, the the setup for free agency in terms of all these executives and agents getting together and kind of talking about deals and, and rumors and tampering before the legal tampering starts so we're not having that this year you know we had that last year because we had a combine before you know uh, covid started to impact free agency but this year there's really no setup for free agency so i kind of wonder how that's going to impact things this year you're a hundred percent right like the nfl calendar may say that march 15th is the legal tampering window it is not you are a, a thousand percent right the tampering happens at the combine every year if you go back and and look at some of the big trades that have gone down and the one that jumps into my head is the deforest buckner trade almost every time somebody will say well discussions actually began at the combine in indianapolis in february because you're right that's when all this stuff happens agents are there gms are there coaches are there they're talking to you know even if it's not like express sort of overt tampering maybe it's just like hey if you were, you're a free agent, you know, what kind of a ballpark deal are you looking for? You just sort of gauge the market. And that's right. That is the setting, the stepping stone, excuse me, for everything that happens in free agency. It's how at 12.01 or whatever it is, a minute into free agency, when the new league year starts, the Bucks have a contract with this guy that's five years. It's all hammered out. Well, how do you think that happens? It happens because of what goes on in part in February. And clearly, it's not going to bring the NFL news cycle to a halt because we've already seen, uh, maybe if anything, it's, it's sped it up because, you know, we've seen 
uh, the Detroit uh, move Matthew Stafford. We've seen Carson Wentz get moved, uh, you know, way before even the official start of free agency. So maybe um, it really isn't hindering too much in terms of, uh, you know, everything. But I feel like it has to be an impact somehow. And maybe it'll be more so, again, as you talked about, maybe not so with trades, which just involve two teams, but like, you know, these, these free agents who are, you know, being uh, courted by multiple teams. And uh, so it's just an interesting wrinkle to think about. You know, I know we always think about the draft of the combine, obviously, rightfully so. um, But there is an impact on the league, too. uh, And it's just another thing to think about. And I wonder if because teams are going to have to get more creative with their tampering methods, if another team gets a little salty, it's something that one team is doing and maybe tries to report them to the league. Like it's easy to do at the combine because you're all there. You meet up at a restaurant or whatever, and it's it's not that hard. But now you're going to have to kind of go out of your way to tamper, if that makes sense, either with a phone call to an agent or a text message or something. And I mean, who knows? Maybe an agent responds to the wrong text message, sends something to the wrong part. Like stuff can happen now that might not have happened. And so I wonder how the teams are going to look at that and if they're going to try and, you know, get one over on another team. Well, you have to look at it from our side too, in terms of media, like, uh, you know, reporters being there to witness all this and maybe, you know, kind of get a sense of some of the conversations that are going on. Uh, maybe that kind of makes it less, you know, fun for us because, you know, the rumors aren't kind of getting out as much as they might be and, and things aren't being overheard unless, uh, I don't know. Do we have any like good media people here who are like hacking in the Zoom calls? Not that I would advise that, <laughs> but, uh, I think that's, that's the way you'd have to do it nowadays. But yeah, I think so. It just kind of changes the dynamic as a whole. I still think it's going to be a fun free agency. I don't think this is really going to slow anything down, uh, in, in the big picture. But it's just, again, it's a different dynamic this year that we didn't experience last year. And you're right. I mean, let's be honest. It all comes down to what's easiest for for us, for the media. Like, I want I, <laughs> I want interesting. I want stories served up on a platter. Uh, you know, I don't want to have to work too hard. I mean, come on. Who does? Yeah, I, I hear that stats. I know you're a slacker. So, yeah, I agree. There you go. Uh, okay. So, As Monday Football Monday mentioned, today is the window for the franchise tag. You can start to tag your players. You have a limited number of days before you have to either work out a long-term deal or tag the player. They kind of covered that, but we are going to play a fun game that you thought of, BLG, inspired by the franchise tag window. Later in the show, tag, extend, or walk, which is very similar to a game you might have heard, Mary Bop Kill, let's just call it that. So we're going to have a little fun there. But we have to kick it off with quarterback news because this is the offseason of quarterbacks. And the story I saw yesterday that really, like, surprised me was about Russell Wilson. Mike Silver went on NFL Network and really twisted himself into a pretzel because he was (laughs) talking about Russell Wilson and what it might take to get Russell Wilson. What he eventually said was three first-round picks. Three first-round picks is what teams expect to hear or something about that basically he talked to somebody with the seahawks to me and he was basically saying that's where the bidding starts does that seem fair to you yeah i mean the seahawks shouldn't be in no rush to move on from russell wilson um i i think that's totally uh i mean if i if i had if i was a seahawks fan <laughs> if i'm the seahawks i'm not i don't want to just give up russell wilson it, it has to be and obviously too you're going to drive a hard bargain to start i mean the eagles said they wanted two first round picks for carson wentz spoiler alert they did not get two first round <laughs> picks for carson wentz but you know that's where they're going to start the negotiations and then you know uh go down from there so no surprise i think that you would hear that um I just, I don't know stats. You know, obviously we talked about a Russell Wilson trade in last week's podcast with our bold predictions and potentially sending him to Dallas. Um, it's just kind of tough when you look at the money of it all. And, and I was looking into that more here. You know, um, he, a portion, 19 million of his base uh, salary became guaranteed on the 12th. Uh, if the Seahawks were to trade him, they would be taking a $39 million dead money hit, which is, uh, about like almost, uh, or so Carson Wentz for perspective here was at three thirty three point eight million dollars, and that was the biggest cap hit by far in terms of dead money. So the Seahawks were to trade Russell Wilson at least before June first, which you would think would happen in terms of a team wanting a quarterback. Uh, it would be the largest dead cap hit uh, again, surpassing Carson Wentz, and also the Seahawks would lose actually seven million dollars in cap space. So, so it would. The point being with all that. It would take a pretty penny to move off of him. 
Yes, it would. Uh, and I think the Seahawks don't have any desire to do that. I think like it, like the Deshaun Watson situation, it comes down to how much are the players, Watson and Wilson, going to push it? Are they going to play hardball? And I heard this on Pro Football Talk yesterday. Florio said he had a source who usually texts him back right away hmm. throughout their history. And so Florio texted him the other day. Has Russell Wilson requested a trade? And the source, who usually responds right away, did not respond. Mm. They didn't say no. They didn't respond. Now, of course, it's always possible they were doing something, didn't see the text, whatever. But take that for what it for what it's worth. I know Florio. I've worked with him for many years. He doesn't say things like that for no reason. So if Russ has requested a trade and is really as unhappy as he kind of seemed to be earlier this offseason... That changes everything because the Seahawks can not want to trade him all they want. If Russ wants out, he's going to be moved. Yeah, I think the key thing to note there, or at least the thing that I'm being reminded of uh, when you're talking about that, is apparently Carson Wentz didn't request a trade. It's just that uh, if you read um, the Monday morning quarterback from Albert Breer, it was just that like Carson Wentz's agency basically suggested to the Eagles it might be better <laughs> if they move on. It's like that's, you know— there's a distinction without difference there. Like, right. <laughs> like clearly, um, maybe he hasn't, you know, written it down, you know, in writing or whatever, or hasn't said the words himself, but he's clearly, I mean, but he has kind of though, you know, he has gone out here and he has known, or he has made it known that he's not totally happy there. And there's a sentiment being expressed. And now, again, I don't think it's necessarily, it's like trade me at all costs. There's zero chance, zero percent chance I'm going to be back, but it is clearly you know, a tactic that he's using to go out there and let it be known he's not happy. And also his camp, maybe not him necessarily, but, and maybe not his agent necessarily, but probably, but at least at the very least, someone in his representation or his side of things, someone with Russell Wilson's best interest in mind, um, you know, is, is clearly driving this, this conversation and whether that's to, you know, to facilitate a trade or to kind of get him more support, if that's the goal in Seattle or more power or, or whatever it is. I mean, there's something there. It's not nothing. I think it is such a big mistake. And I think I mentioned this before on the oddcast stats. It is always a huge mistake to think that something comes up like this is just totally fabricated and it's a media lie. That is, it, you are so mistaken when you think that because I remember not too long ago when I got killed on Twitter here stats for pointing out that Carson Wentz, it was actually the, the week the rumors about him getting traded first started to come out. I had pointed out that Carson Wentz did not welcome Nick Sirianni on Twitter. Now everyone was like, Oh, BLG, you're blowing, you're making something out of nothing. Well, Carson Wentz usually welcomes like everyone on Twitter and he didn't in that case. And you know, that was just one of the signs that pointed to him, like not wanting to be here. And we're seeing much more brazen on the record stuff from Russ. So where there's smoke, there's fire. And like you just pointed out, the f it, it's not that he didn't welcome him on Twitter like alone. It's the fact that he deviated from what we've seen from him yes. for so long. That's what you picked up on. And it's the same thing with Russell Wilson. Russ was go Hawks guy, team first guy, you know, love the team, yada, yada, yada. Now, all of a sudden, for two straight off seasons, he's publicly criticizing the team. That is a noted difference from what we've seen so far. So all we can assume from that is that something changed something is different he is not on he's not happy about something and so this is where we are with russell wilson now mike silver did note in his report that he thinks that russ and the team can work it out and that the team got the message but the fact that they are floating this price tag out here that's significant that you don't do that if you're not willing to at least listen in a trade and silver said well you know John Schneider, the GM, is he's always listening, you know, but but he's not having trade negotiations. Well, I got news for you. As long as you're on the other end of the phone, you're listening and you're having trade negotiations. The only way you don't have negotiations is if one side hangs up. Anything other than that is a negotiation because you're still listening. I'm sure he's taking notes. Okay, let me three first round picks. That's what they would offer. Okay, I'll keep that. And even if they don't want to trade him right now, he's still got it in his files. He knows what the price could potentially be. I think the thing here to to think about is that maybe it isn't this offseason, but I don't think Russell Wilson is going to finish out his contract, which is currently through the 2023 season with Seattle. Like if you're hearing this, you know, unless there's, you know, some, 
you know, to win a Super Bowl and there's this like big change of heart and all of a sudden, you know, everything is going great. Um, I think if things continue to go as they have, I think it's clear that he wants out in the long term. Again, maybe it isn't this offseason just because of the contract. Now, you know, I mentioned that 39 million in dead money earlier. If you trade him after June 1, as you kind of pointed out before we were talking before the show, it's a little bit more feasible. Although, you know, the the post-June 1 thing is always a little tricky because, you know, it looks a little bit more attractive than it actually is in terms of, oh, the uh, Seahawks would actually clear $19 million, but then they have de- more dead cap going into the future years. It's not like they're, they're getting a free lunch, so to speak, just because they move him after June. And also, I don't know how realistic it is for a team to really kind of be – paying this huge price to get Russell Wilson and be doing it so late in the offseason like at that point wouldn't we just know who was going to trade for him because it's like well (laughs) this team hasn't like uh done anything at quarterback very suspiciously um so that would be I think a big tell so yeah again I don't think it's I, I would if I had to put a you know a likelihood on this happening stats I still think I would go like 25% 25% it does happen but that's you know that's I feel like that's uncomfortable if you're a Seahawks fan that's a that's a that's a percentage that you're still not comfortable with even though it seems unlikely I mean think about that like the guy Russell Wilson your guy who won a Super Bowl for you got you to another one all of a sudden a few years later there's a 25% chance he might be traded like that's unfathomable but that is where we are and it's sort of an interesting comparison because you've got Russ Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz played as bad as you could play last year and said, basically, I want out, even though, like you pointed out, he didn't request a trade, but he made it known he wanted out and he got out of Dodge. Deshaun Watson played as good as you could play last year and he wants out and we're going to see what happens with him. And Russ was awesome. He threw 40 touchdowns last year, by the way, just as many as Tom Brady. And he is sort of hinting that maybe he wants out. So I'm interested to see if all three of these guys end up getting moved. What is sort of the best path? Because apparently if you want out, no matter how good you play on the field, you can get out as we saw with Carson Wentz. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, everyone talks about it in the NBA. It's kind of like a player movement kind of era, uh, player empowerment kind of league kind of uh, environment that we live in now. Um, which is good to an extent in terms of, I think, you know, players deserve some kind of agency in what happens with their future. Um, you know, I know people talk about honor the contract, but, you know, teams break contracts with the players all the time <laughs> and then they cut them. So, it, you know, it's not um, as simple as you have to be loyal to the contract at all times. It kind of makes it interesting in terms of, uh, I think, a fan experience like, oh, that guy who I thought was going to be on that team forever is now a member of our team. That's exciting. Yeah. At the same time, not so exciting when it's your guy who you think is going to be on your team forever is going to be this mainstay, and all of a sudden they're moving around. Um, there's, it's not. It feels like it's, it's more rare now, you know, that you get this player who just plays his entire career in one place. I mean, even just look at a, you know, some of these guys at the tail end of their careers, like a Philip Rivers. You know, like they're going to go play out that final season somewhere else, and so it's kind of it's kind of hard. Like you think uh, you want to be attached to your favorite players, these stars, but you kind of can't. And yeah, I think that that's a good thing, ultimately, to be honest with you. If players want to move on, great. If teams want to move on, great. As long as both sides have the same kind of flexibility, that's that's what I would like to see. So I'm I'm all for player empowerment and guys changing teams. Do what's best for you. Let me ask you this. Does the potential of a franchise, another franchise quarterback being on the market hurt, say, the Houston Texans? Now, let me explain. If I'm... You know, the Miami Dolphins, for instance, and I am calling Nick Casario in Houston and I am, you know, every day. Here you go. Four first round picks. We'll throw in Christian Wilkins or pass rushers or whoever. You know, we'll throw in guys. Let's get this deal done. And he says, no, 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 no. Well, I see this Russell Wilson story and I'm like, you know what? I know Russ is a little older. He's 33. He's going to be 34. But he says he wants to play till 45. He never misses games. Maybe if it only takes three first-round picks, maybe I call John Schneider and we go after Russell Wilson. Is that logical or does that not apply? So you're saying Nick Casario is behind the Russell Wilson trade rumors. He's he's no. engineering it. No, it's better. It's It hurts Houston because teams are like, hey, you can't – you're going to go crazy trying to get this monster package. I can offer a little bit less and get a player that's a little bit older but who's almost as good as Deshaun Watson. 
Sorry, I meant to say Chris Greer from the Dolphins is engineering these trade. No, I, I get what you're saying, stats. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it, yeah, it certainly would not be in Houston's favor in that case. I think uh, just because of Watson and the market for him and the age and everything and, and, and the contract and uh, all of that put together and, you know, coming off a good year, even though on a bad team, I still think he's, you know, more attractive than Russ would be when you consider all of that. Um, but it's a fair point raised by you. I, I think uh, Russ's market is should be very robust, you know, if, if there is one. But I, I guess it's kind of complicated, again, in terms of, like, how much do the Seahawks actually – how much are they willing to play ball? It seems like it's going to take a crazy offer for them to even consider it. I think that's what I'm, I'm wondering about in all of this is, like, how, how – ser- so we know Russ wants out, but – is Seattle truly like, no, it's not going to happen at all cost? Or are they willing, you know, to listen to these offers? And as you're suggesting, the fact that, you know, they're putting this price tag out there or the price tag is out there, maybe not them necessarily putting it out there, seems like they're at least considering it. I And honestly, like, I kind of understand that. How close right now do you think the Seahawks are to a Super Bowl? To me, the only reason they're even in the discussion is because of Russell Wilson. The rest of their team is... They've got a couple of good pieces on offense, but like, honestly, I don't really think their roster is that great. So if they're the CX and you're like, this dude's going to be 33, we're not sure what we can put around him. If we can get a monster package, I could sort of understand them saying, hey, look, we got to kind of rebuild this thing. Especially if you look at it from the standpoint, they don't own their first round pick this year due to the Jamal Adams trade. They also don't own their third round pick this year, and they also don't own their first round pick in 2022. So, uh, you know, if they're looking to tear it down, which would be a little bit weird, though, because, you know, they just made this all in move with Adams last year. Uh, if they're looking to reverse course this quickly and look, maybe they are. I think the Eagles weren't looking to try to do what they did with Carson Wentz, obviously a year ago at this time, but they felt like they had to pivot. And now they're kind of in this retooling mode, as they're calling it. Maybe the Seahawks look at this as like, we've kind of reached our peak with Russ. We and all things. Ideally, we would like to keep him, but with him wanting out, I mean, that's, that's such a key thing. Like yep. quarterback's supposed to be the leader of your team. Uh, you know, how do you kind of move forward with this if he's unhappy? Like, it's just, it, it doesn't really work. Nope. Uh, maybe it can for a little bit of time. I mean, you think about same thing with like James Harden, you know, in Houston. And, and they tried to make that work for a little bit of time, but it clearly wasn't working. And there comes to a point where it's just like, we have to bite the bullet. We have to make the trade because this isn't tenable long term. And I think that's the big uh, takeaway for the Seahawks here. Like, maybe Russ plays this season and he stays, but that doesn't mean the rumors were made up and it doesn't mean he's going to be with the team forever. It probably means that he's on borrowed time. Especially if he gets sacked another 40 times, like, because that seems to be one of his big sticking points. And I think you just said it perfectly. The How can the Seahawks sell this to their fans, right? Because that's going to be the biggest problem. They're going to be mad that they're getting rid of Russell Wilson, but you laid it out perfectly. Like, hey, we made a run last season. We went all in. We traded for Jamal Adams. We, you know, we signed Carlos Dunlap. You know, like we, that was our push. And we still think we can get there, but Russ wants out. So we don't want to do this, but we can't function if our franchise guy isn't all in. So given that situation and given the fact that we don't have a lot of draft picks, like you said, the best course of action, the only course of action for us is to move on and try and get as much as we can. And we we wish Russ well in the future. That's how you sell that. You laid it out perfectly. I think that the Seahawks have a little cover with this kind of a thing. I don't think it's crazy. Like you said, maybe it's this season, maybe it's not. But I think that Russell Wilson's days in Seattle are 100% numbered. And I'm sure you're torn up about that. <laughs> well, the thing that amazes me is, uh, Mike Silver said in his report that a third of the teams have called the Seahawks about Russell Wilson. What are the other two thirds of the teams doing? There's only <laughs> one team that shouldn't call Seattle for Russell Wilson, and it's the 49ers because there's no way they're trading him there. Everybody else except for like the Chiefs should be picking up the phone. Yeah, what's what's that? A third? <laughs> like only a third of the league needs right. a quarterback. Only, what, only a third what are the of the rest league of you want? guys doing? I don't get that. I'm, that doesn't make sense to me. Very very strange. Um. You mentioned Carson Wentz. I talked to you the day of the trade. You were very gracious. You popped on with me and RJ to sort of break I was, it down. Yes, yes we, we appreciate it. I know you're a very busy man, especially on that day. With a little, with a boy, you know, a week, a little less than a week to marinate on this whole thing. Do you have any additional thoughts for us? 
Yeah, I kind of wanted to look at it from the Colts side too, because I think uh, I probably didn't even do that enough um, from last week and and then since. So, you know, I, I think it's a it's a. I mean, we talked about it leading up to the the trade a little bit about how we didn't think it would make sense from the Colts from perspective. Like they have a good thing going in there. Why bring in Carson Wentz? And uh, I actually have an opposite take on. Uh, what Pete Sweeney and RJ Ochoa were talking about on Monday Football Monday with the the whole jersey number thing stats, I'm, as I'm sure you've seen, Michael Pittman not giving up number eleven to Carson Wentz. Good for him. It's a good. I, I think it's a good move. I think that's smart. I think the Colts. I would hope. I don't know if it, they did, but I would hope the Colts would be like Michael Pittman. No, do not give up your number. This isn't going to be like Philadelphia, where Carson Wentz pushes around his power and pushes his weight and gets everything his way. Like, this is going to be different. He's not going to get everything his way in here. He's going to, he needs to be humbled to get better. So I think I'm probably reading into that potentially too much. But I, if, if I'm a Colts fan, if I'm a Carson Wentz fan, uh, I would hope that's the case. That, you know, this is kind of an experience for them to, to humble him. And, you know, I think what they gave up, it's a, it's a fair risk in terms of it's not totally debilitating if he doesn't work out. It's a swing they kind of needed to take. Not, not in the sense of I thought they should be this desperate, but like if they were going to take a swing and you could argue it was time because, you know, after shuffling through the quarterbacks that they did, uh, but man, I, when, if I'm looking at this, my truest, honest opinion here, stats, which is all I can offer you here on the Yachtcast, is that I don't feel like the Eagles are going to regret this trade. I don't feel like Carson Wentz, uh, I don't have a lot of confidence that he's going to get back to anything resembling MVP form that he was in 2017. Maybe he can kind of be this top 15 guy, but I don't really know where that gets the Colts. I, I think we've seen enough now from Carson Wentz to know that for the most part, He's just not a quarterback that you're going to win because of as much as you win with. So maybe the Colts build this really good environment around him and maybe, you know, they have a really nice year and they make a run. Um, but I just think, you know, ideally in today's NFL, you're looking for that quarterback you can win because of. And I don't think Carson Wentz is that guy. Okay. So there's a lot there to react to. Um, the first thing you said about the number. I just like Michael Pittman being like, no, man, I'm good. I'm <laughs> drafted by the team. I like my number. I'm not giving it up to you. Like, you had a terrible year. It's not Tom Brady coming in here. You're Carson Wentz. Pick out your own number. Uh, so I like that. I like your take on it, too, that like, hey, you know, you are coming to be a part of what we already have here as opposed to like, okay, you're our savior. Like, you know, uplift us from nothing. That is not the case. So I agree. Tough luck, Carson. You're not going to be number 11 in Indianapolis. In terms of the Eagles regretting it, I don't think that they ever will. Even if Carson Wentz goes and plays great in Indianapolis, like it was just broken in Philadelphia. It was not going to work. I don't, I can't think of any possible way that they could have repaired things to where Carson Wentz was happy, but also the Eagles were getting the kind of commitment and buy-in and, and, effort from Carson Wentz that would have made them happy. So even if he plays well in Indy, that was never going to happen in Philadelphia going forward. So to me, I don't know how they can regret it because this was the best possible outcome considering the situation. Like we talked about the other day, once they shoot the hole in the boat, the hole is there. So it, yeah, it's their fault that it's there, but you can only mm -hmm. move forward from that point. Speaking of moving forward, if we're looking at where the Eagles go from here, uh, touching on this more, now that I've had more time to think about it, stats, I think they really do have to give Jalen Hurts a chance in 2021. And now that isn't to say that I know or anyone knows really that Jalen Hurts is the guy and can be the guy, your franchise quarterback for the long term. But the Eagles don't need to make that decision anytime soon because, you know, he's just coming off his rookie season. It's not like he's eligible to be extended until after next season. So uh, I, I think the the framing that has been crystallized in my mind stats, the way I keep thinking about this, because there's talk that the Eagles can draft a quarterback or, or might, or they're, they're considering taking a one. A lot of talk about it. A lot of talk about it. And there should be, because when you don't have a franchise quarterback, you should be doing everything you can to try to get one. It makes sense. But what I will say is the Eagles cannot draft a quarterback stats just to upgrade on Jalen Hurts. That cannot be the objective. It can't be like, well, we have to get one because we need an upgrade. No. I mean, it can't be that direct of a thought. The Eagles should draft a quarterback if they think he can be elite. Like if he has elite potential and he has a, you know, a realistic path to being elite, 
then you can draft that guy. I think it's pretty fair to say that the quarterbacks at the top of this year's draft are better prospects than Jalen Hurts. And I think it's fair to say that when the Eagles drafted, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts last year, they didn't necessarily think, you know, he was going to be a franchise guy. Uh, but, you know, he's had an extra year in the building and now Carson Wentz is gone, which they didn't expect. So, so he's here. And I think Jalen Hurts showed some promise at the end of last season. I think the numbers are really bad in some regards in terms of accuracy and whatnot. But, like, rookie performance for quarterbacks isn't always the most indicative thing in the future. So I wouldn't, you know, make everything of those struggles. And you also have to consider he was playing with a terrible supporting cast. If you want to use those arguments for Carson Wentz, you also have to use them for Jalen Hurts. And he was a rookie who didn't have a real offseason, and he was only 22 years old. So I would – I'm comfortable riding with Jalen Hurts for a year unless, again, there's that opportunity to get what the Eagles feel like is an elite quarterback prospect. I There's one thing about that, that I really want to respond to because there's a question that just keeps popping up in my head given the situation you laid out. So we're going to take a break. I will ask you that question and also we will play tag, extend, walk after the break. Welcome back to the SB Nation NFL show. This is the off day debrief. Okay, BLG, before we went to break, you laid out the case for why if the Eagles can get an elite guy in the first round of the NFL draft, they should take a quarterback. But if not, then they should hold off and give Jalen Hurts a chance. This is the question that pops into my head. If you are going to draft a quarterback in the first round this year, why the hell did you take Jalen Hurts in the second round last year? Like, it's the, it's not a new GM. It's the same GM. So this guy that you have identified Jalen Hurts as a guy that could be a potential quarterback for you. And after four starts, you're going to draft a quarterback in the first round? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Well, stats, quarterback factory, of course. And I think <laughs> the, the problem is the hubris of it all. I think the Eagles really thought that Jalen Hurts wasn't going to have to be in a position like this. I thought they, I think that they thought, if I'm getting this right, uh, yep. someone's thinking, everyone's thinking, the Eagles were in a spot, I believe, where they thought this guy was going to be a backup for them for years. And like they could flip him potentially in the future for a first round pick. At least you would hope because they, I mean, a second round pick would be disappointing. That's, That's what, what they I mean. drafted like, him with. You're going to take him in, you're going to take a backup in the second round that you think you hope doesn't have to play? Like, that's a high pick for that kind of guy. I know, but that's that's why everyone was so angry at the pick at the time. I think that's I, I, I maybe you know there I, there had to be an aspect of it where they thought okay you know if Carson Wentz like retires early because he's had all these injuries or he or if he does struggle and you know proves that he's really not the guy here there had to be some percentage of a thought that this could happen. I don't know that it was very high though. You know that might have been like a, a 10% chance they were counting on um as opposed to like the main impetus of the pick. But but yeah, it's absolutely a fair point. It's like if you don't believe in Jalen Hurts at any level of him to be a franchise quarterback, why would you take him? So I think there is a belief there. And I think that um, just because the Eagles had a thinking when they drafted him last year, doesn't mean it's static. Like he was in the building. They got extra time to evaluate him right. and see his character and see his skill and look at his work ethic. I think that is such a key distinction between Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts. It's interesting because they're almost opposites in the sense of Jalen Hurts is the guy who it just the way it's been put stats is that like he had a cot in the Eagles like coaching office because like he just wanted to, he, he can't like get enough coaching he just wants to be better like he's he's so hungry for it and he's entirely coachable but he doesn't have necessarily the raw talent and skill that like Carson Wentz has especially in terms of arm strength but Carson Wentz on the flip side has that talent but he doesn't He's, he's not good when it comes to taking hard coaching. So uh, it's kind of an interesting dynamic there. And I think it's tough because, you know, you can have a player who is coachable as heck. But, I mean, if he just doesn't have the chops, if he doesn't have the talent, then, like, that, that only goes so far. So it's kind of an interesting test to see where this will take Jalen Hurts. Um, but I think because he has that mental makeup, like that's that's part of why I think it's, it, there's merit to riding with him. And look, if he's terrible this year in 2021, then the Eagles probably weren't going to be all that good anyway. It's not like you're wasting a year of when you were contending. You just kind of figure out the quarterback dynamic after this season. And if you need to trade up, you have the Carson Wentz pick to make that deal. And if he is your guy, then great, you stick with him. 
Yeah, there's quarterbacks that can play the position from the neck down, and there are quarterbacks that can play the position from the neck up. Carson appears to be a guy that can play it from the neck down. He's got physical talent. He doesn't seem to have the willingness to put in the work from the neck up that you need to if you're going to be an elite quarterback. Jalen Hurts appears to be the opposite. We don't know about his physical ability, but from a mental standpoint and work ethic standpoint, as you just pointed out, he seems to be right there with anybody, which is awesome. To me, I would rather have the Jalen Hurts type of guy because, you know, what what's that expression? They say talent is your floor and work ethic is your ceiling. Hmm. So, I'm, you know, you can compensate for a guy that has certain physical limitations, but if they're not putting in the work and they're not coachable and listening to the feedback that they're getting from a group of people whose only mission in life is to make them better. I can't work with that guy. I hate to quote Singletary, but cannot play with him, cannot win with him, cannot coach with him, <laughs> can't do it. I would, if like, that's the thing. I think the way, um, it would fail too. looks different, right? In terms of like, if you're failing with Carson Wentz, it's super frustrating because you know he has this talent, but you're failing because he's not coachable. And like, that's super frustrating. If you fail with Jalen Hurts, you can almost live with it more. Does that make sense? Because it's like, well, at least, you know, he's doing literally everything he can. He's to, trying. Yeah, he, he's doing everything he can to be good. And it's he just can't because it's like there's a limit and he just can't do it. But and you, you, I think you can accept that more easily. 100%. If if it looks like the guy is trying his absolute best and he's failing, obviously that's frustrating, but you can't ask any more of him. If he he's not he doesn't want to fail, but he can't help it. But if a guy seemingly has the talent and the ability and the thinking is he's not succeeding because he's not trying hard enough or not putting in the effort, you know, on the days that aren't Sunday, that you can't live with, right? That is infuriating because as fans, we all watch, and what do we say? I would play the game for free. I would spend every waking second of my like. We think that we would be all out, right? And to see a guy not doing that is frustrating for us. And again, it, it just goes to why I have my doubts about Carson Wentz really having, uh, you know, big success in Indianapolis. I'm not going to say like the Colts aren't going to make the playoffs or something crazy like that, but I, I just don't think it's going to end with like a Lombardi Trophy for them unless they just have like a 2017 Eagles year where like everything is clicking. And obviously, Ballard's a good GM, and I think Reich is a good head coach. There's a chance. Um, there's, there could be some longevity there, but there's a reasonable chance that Carson Wentz, like what we saw in 2020. He's not going to be that bad. I think it'd be hard for him to be that bad, but I think it could be, you know, he's not going to be anywhere kind of close to where, um, you know, the, the hope and the expectation that he is. He might just kind of be, honestly, he might put you in like the least desirable spot in the NFL, which is like an Andy Dalton level of like, okay, you can make the playoffs, but you can't really win in the playoffs. Maybe you win, uh, you know, a couple of first round games or so, but you're not getting, you're not making any deep runs and you're kind of just stuck in the middle. Okay, so if you are the Colts, then how do you define success with this trade? Do they have to win a Super Bowl? Is that the only way this trade is a success, or is there something else? I mean, at every at every level, at, at some point, I mean, that feels like the ultimate barometer. But, um, I mean, you know, if they're contending, like if they're going to some AFC championship games, like one or two, or, you know, that maybe like a, an AFC championship game and a couple of divisional round appearances, like if, you know, and, and then also like they're winning, you know, the AFC South multiple years in a row. I mean, I think there's avenues to that being successful. And obviously him being there, uh, for, you know, let's say like five to 10 years, mm -hmm. it seems like a pretty good run. If you can get at least that much out of him, um, I think there's avenues to success outside of a Super Bowl. Cause I don't think it's like, you know, this massive swing they took in terms of giving up, you know, a top five pick and multiple first future first rounders. They might not be even giving up one first round pick. I yeah. mean, if Carson Wentz gets hurt or he's bad and he potentially gets benched, which I don't think is likely, but if he did, um, the Colts have that protection, you know, with the condition on the trade where they could just bench him and be like, this isn't working and we're not going to give up a first round pick. So hard to see it uh, being a total disaster for them. But, uh, but yeah, I, I just don't think it's going to be, I think it's kind of, not be a massive success i think it's just kind of going to be like a fine trade it's a fine trade like a fine wine yes all right let's get now to have a little bit of fun before we go you want to play this game tag extend walk which is very similar to a game that most of you have probably played mary bop kill cleaning that up a little of course 
You did not tell me the categories, BLG. Like, yes. you, you have like this evil look on your face, this glint in your eye, like you, that you are going to put me on the spot here. So I'm a little nervous. You said you had 10 different things. Yes, 10 different things. If you want to get in on this game, loyal listeners, you can tweet at us both. Obviously, I'm at Brandon Gelton and uh, stats is at stats on fire. And I think the hashtag appropriate to use with this is hashtag oddcast is the best. So just do that. If you want to get in on this game with us, if you think our choices are crazy, if they're right, if they're wrong, or you want to play, I want to hear from you guys. I'm going to start us off here. Stats, not a ton of football on this one, uh, a little bit of football, All right, but non-football to start and go Peter Griffin, Homer Simpson, Hank Hill. And before you answer, I want to, you know, be clear here that obviously um, tag is like, you're doing this thing kind of like once I extend, this is like the rest of your life. Uh, and then walk, obviously you're just doing away with. All right. The easiest is Hank Hill walk. Adios. Like, yes. I was never a King of the Hill guy. Same. Um, it just didn't work for me. The next two are very difficult. Homer has the longevity and the consistency, but I think Peter Griffin has the higher ceiling. So I will tag Homer Simpson and I will extend Peter Griffin. It's close Plus, Griffin's a little younger, so I think I will extend it. Totally agree with you on Hank Hill. Easy uh, walk for me. I want to tag Peter Griffin, though, just because I think Family Guy uh, at its best can be very funny, but I don't think it has the longevity of The Simpsons. Well, nobody does. Yeah, of course. So I I have to extend Homer Simpson because it's just too much of a classic. Uh, Are you ready for my next one? Oh, yeah. All right. Burger King, McDonald's, and then Wendy's. Okay, see, now this is really hard because they all specialize in different things. McDonald's clearly has the best French fries. I think Burger King has the best burger, and I think Wendy's has the best chicken sandwich. So it's Mm. very difficult for me. I think if I have to let one walk, I let Burger King walk. Their fries are terrible. The Whopper is good, but I don't always want a burger. So I think I let Burger King walk. I tag McDonald's because the fries are so good. You can't coach what McDonald's fries have. You're just born with it. Like, I'm sorry. So I will I will tag the McDonald's fries, and I will extend Wendy's because I think Wendy's has the best. They're like the most well-rounded. They have good chicken sandwiches. Their fries are okay. Plus, they have the Frosty. The Frosty. Do not mm. sleep on the Frosty. That is an excellent addition. That's very, very strong. So I will extend Wendy's. I was thinking Baconator with Wendy's. Like, that stands out to me. Mm-hmm. I think that is such a strong fast food sandwich. I have to extend Wendy's. I, 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 and I love the chili, too. I, Sats, I used to go to Wendy's when I was a youth, when I was a young person. <laughs> and I would just get, like, five or six things from the dollar menu at Wendy's. It was awesome. I'd get, like, the, the chicken nuggets, the chili, uh, the, the junior bacon cheeseburger. I mean, Wendy's is great. I'm going to have to extend them. So that makes it tough between Burger King and McDonald's for the for the walk and the tag. Uh, I think I'm going to have to tag Burger King. I, I think there wow. are a lot of – I think it's tough. I think Burger King is flawed in a lot of ways, but I like that original chicken sandwich that they have. I know that's like uh, that's probably a minority opinion, but I, I'll take it. Uh, the Whopper, I would just hate to say goodbye to. You talked about the fries for McDonald's stats, and I think the fries are like Carson Wentz because they might have the talent. Uh, they might be good in the right circumstances, and that's when they're super hot and fresh, but they get cold so quickly. They are flawed, and <laughs> I hate to be giving up on the Big Mac because the Big Mac is great. Love the Big Mac sauce. I hate to be walking away from that, but I'm going to let McDonald's walk here. That is stunning to me. You are letting the McDonald's fries are the best item of any of the three restaurants, and you're one walk. Well, I would disagree. I said the Baconator is the best, and it's, it's about the sandwich, man. It's not just about the sides. So I feel I feel good. Um, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, there were days where I used to work at NBC Sports in Stanford, and right next to the NBC Sports headquarters is a McDonald's that's open 24 hours a day, which is awesome because I used to go in at 3 o'clock in the morning, and sometimes you just want an Egg McMuffin. But anyway, on my way home, there were a lot of days where I would literally go to the McDonald's drive-thru and get a chocolate milkshake and just a large fry, and that would be my lunch for the day. That's how good the fries are. Star Wars, are you into it, Stats? Oh, love it. Okay, so then we're going to go big three of Luke Skywalker, Leia Skywalker, and Han Solo. Oh, man. See, this is is tough. (laughs) 
Uh, I extend Han. You know what? No, I'm going to tag Han because I love him. But if there's one thing, I'm not sure he's the most reliable. Yes. So I don't know if I want to get into a long-term relationship with Han. I, as we, you know, it, it ended badly. I, I'm going to tag Han. I love him, but the reliability there is a factor for me. Now it comes down to Luke and Leia. This is tough. Leia's a general. Like, Leia is a general for the resistance. Like, that is a huge factor. That's an important person. She organized a lot of the stuff while Luke was out figuring out who he was and how to become a Jedi and palling around with Yoga on Dagobah. Like, Leia was in it. That's tough to have to say we have to let Luke walk. I mean, he does preserve the order. Oh, man. <laughs> I guess I will extend Leia and let Luke walk. Wow. I think Luke's going to sign a big deal in free agency. But I, uh, Stats, you did say you love Han in there. He love. would tell you he knows. Uh, <laughs> well done. A little Star Wars joke for you. Um, uh, I think I'm going to have to let Leia walk. I know that's tough. But uh, I don't know. She just, I mean, I, it's hard for me to let the, the main character, who is obviously Luke, walk. Even though I do think, kind of watching Star Wars back, I feel like he's kind of, like, he came off more whiny than I realized when I watched the movies as a kid. Like, kind of whiny sometimes. So don't love that from, from Luke. Uh, but I have to, uh, I'm going to have to extend him. How do uh, you, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> How do you let Leia walk? She puts the message in R2-D2 to Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like, without Leia, where are you? Look, it's not an anti-Leia thing. It's just, it's from a character's perspective. I'm, I'm, I'm taking it out of the canon and just putting it into an enjoyment thing. And I just didn't always get the same enjoyment uh, out of Leia as I did the main character of the show. So again, I, I don't feel amazing about it. But that's that's what I did with these stats. I tried to make them tough on us. So we, you know, uh, right. you know, it's it's like these NFL teams who, you know, they have this player they love. They really want to keep him around, but they can't because there's a salary cap, and they're going to have to let him walk, and they're going to regret it, maybe. Um, but but that's that's you know what we're doing to ourselves here. Uh, this is what you signed up for when I made you do this without your <laughs> permission. Uh, here's one that I don't know how going to be. I don't know how great this is going to be, but Pepsi, Coke, and then I have RC Cola as the third one. I don't even know if you know what that is. Oh no, Royal Crown Cola is wonderful. That is devilish what you just did. Okay. <laughs> First of all, I let Pepsi walk and don't even think twice about it. In fact, people that know me, when I go in restaurants and I order a Coke and the, and the waitress or waiter says, is Pepsi okay? I say no every wow. time. It is not okay. Pepsi is swill. I will never drink it voluntarily. That's the easiest decision in the world for me. I let it walk. RC Cola is so underrated. It's not a lot of places, which I think Thank maybe you. helps. Like. Make it's kind of like the Girl Scout cookies of soda. Like you can't get it all the time, so when you can, you're like, "Oh, this is so good." It's kind of like Yingling beer. You couldn't used to not be able to get Yingling beer on the East Coast, and then when it came, that's all anybody drank. Um, I think I extend Coca Cola because it's just so classically delicious, and I tag RC Cola. But man, RC is. I'm so glad you included it because it's so far and away superior to Pepsi. It's not even close. I am totally with you on all of those. I'm glad you know RC Cola is. I didn't know if everyone would. I, I, maybe there's people out here listening to this who don't. I feel like what you said, it's like rare. I love a rarity. I love going somewhere. And I don't drink soda anymore, stats, by the way. But I didn't want to include this in here um, for what I did. And I, I just thought it was so fun when a place had RC Cola. At, at first, I was like, what is that? Like, I don't even know what that is. Is that some off-brand thing? No, <laughs> it's, uh, it's its own little treasure. So big shout out to RC Cola uh, for the tag. And then obviously Coke for the mainstay. It has to be a Coke. I mean, I'm not even anti-Pepsi. It's not about that for me. It's just Coke is what I want. Like, that's the thing I want. It's it's not about, like, oh, I hate Pepsi. Uh, but, you know, Coke is the real deal. Did you ever see the movie The Invention of Lying? I haven't. So The Invention of Lying is a movie with Ricky Gervais. It's great. It's like a world. Imagine a world where people are incapable of lying. It never even occurs to them that they could lie. And so all of a sudden, Ricky Gervais is the only person in the movie that can can lie which he uses to his advantage but so the tv commercials they can't lie in the commercial right so there's a commercial for coke and the guy says it's very famous everyone knows it i'm bob i work for coke and i'm asking you to not stop buying coke and that's the whole commercial and that's the only commercial coke needs because it's so damn good and everybody knows what it is it's the standard yes. standard is the standard uh pancakes waffles french toast okay pancakes waffle what kind of waffles 
Regular or Belgian? I'm going to say like a Belgian waffle. Okay. Well, there you go. I am extending the Belgian waffle because it is clearly the best of all three of those. French toast can go fly a kite. So peace out French toast and I will tag pancakes. I don't love pancakes, but every once in a while, especially if you throw some chocolate chips in there, I'm down. There's nothing you could do to French toast. Thank you for serving me this nice plate of soggy bread. No, thanks. I'm out. Wow. Uh, I don't appreciate the xenophobia stats, um, but uh, clearly you don't like French toast. <laughs> it I think waffles. Have to do with the fact that it's French. I mean, we can never know for sure. Um, <laughs> the the waffles, I think, are. I think the the thing about waffle stats is they're so versatile. Like, there's this burger. Shout out to Vault Brewing in Yardley, Pennsylvania, Bucks County. Very deep cut here for a national audience. <laughs> they have. This waffle burger that they make, it's a grilled cheese waffle sandwich, but they, you can get a burger on it. I love it. It's like my favorite thing. And it just makes me feel like you can do more with waffles necessarily than breakfast. Now, I guess you could do that with a French toast because I've had a French toast sandwich from a place in Philly like that. And it was awesome. But, uh, I get, I get what you're saying with the soggy bread thing. So man, I think I'm going to have to extend the waffles. But then again, I think pancakes, the th- the problem with pancake stats is they can be too filling. Like you have a pancake and I-, I can eat a lot, but I can have like one or two pancakes and I'm like, this is just too much of this one thing. So I'm actually going to reverse course here and I'm going to tag French toast and I'm going to let pancakes walk. It's a mistake. That is a mistake. You should have locked up. You should have locked. <laughs> you can't let. Fr- oh, man. Come on, BLG. PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo. Okay. Uh. This is pretty easy for me. I'm a huge gamer. I'm an Xbox guy through and through. That has burned me a couple times in the past because I really want to play that Spider-Man game, which is a PlayStation exclusive. And up until this year, I wanted to play the show. I'm so glad that the show is finally coming to Xbox. So I extend Xbox. I tag PlayStation because they have some exclusives that are just I cannot live without. And Nintendo can go soak their head. Like Nintendo stopped being for me about 15 years ago. Hmm. I mean, it's so hard, though. I mean, getting getting rid of, uh, like, Zelda and the classics, Banjo-Kazooie, uh, uh, Star Fox. I mean, no. it's... See, it's all garbage. I am tagging Nintendo, because I think the classics, it kind of makes it like a once-a-year kind of a thing, like a once-every-once-in-a-while. I'm going to tag Nintendo. I'm going to let Xbox walk. I had <sighs> one. Uh, I don't miss it. Uh, it's nothing personal, but I'm going to let it walk. And then PlayStation and the Spider-Man game, uh, the old one came out i think in 2018 i say old a couple years ago and then a new one miles morales spider-man uh love them stats i i think i've never felt like in a video game maybe more than when i am playing spider-man i feel like i am spider-man and i'm (laughs) swinging around new york city it's a great game so i'm gonna extend or yeah extend playstation i'm i'm stunned that you're letting the xbox walk i think that's a mistake but I mean, Nintendo has like Mario Kart, and that's really all I would miss from Nintendo. Everything uh, out like no th- Smash Brothers. I was never a Smash Brothers guy. Like that's that's an easy choice for me. What's next? Okay, four more. Uh, I know you're a Marvel guy because I listened to some podcast here on the SP Nation NFL show where where you and RJ mentioned this. Uh, so going big three of Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor. Okay, are we talking just the movies, the characters from the movies? Or are we talking the characters from the comics? I'm going to say MCU. Okay. Well, I I extend Cap because I mean, he's just fantastic. I could I could watch movies with Captain America in them forever and I'm so glad that Chris Evans has actually worked on a deal with Marvel and could be back popping up in some stuff. So I will extend Cap. I let Thor walk. I do enjoy him. He's funny, but like of all the Avengers, he would be the one if I had to choose to not have any more movies, it would be him and he's gotten kind of the most movies out of anybody. So I will extend Captain, or I will tag Cap. Excuse me, I will extend Captain America. I will tag Iron Man because Robert Downey Jr. is incredible. But Tony Stark, some questionable decisions. Ultron being one of them, you know, he did make a decision that led to the destruction of Sokovia. So that's dicey. So I tag him. I can't extend him, but I let Thor walk. I am extending Iron Man. Iron Man is my favorite. Uh, easy call for me. He's, he's look the tech smart. He's funny. It's great. Iron Man is the best. I am going to let Captain America walk out of here. Stats because uh, Captain America. What? Here's my hot take for people. Captain America is boring. He's boring. Uh, he throws a shield around. 
Is he essential to the operation? Sure. He's a leader, whatever. But he's boring. I don't want him. I'm going to let him walk. Someone else can have him. I'm going to tag Thor because, you know, look, second movie, second Thor movie, really not good. Um, even the first one had some slow parts, wasn't the greatest, but I mean, Ragnarok is awesome. And, you know, I can't wait for Love and Thunder to come out, uh, eventually. And Thor is funny and he's just cool. And I'm going to tag him. When Captain America throws his mighty shield, come on, man. All those who chose to oppose his shield must yield. Can't let Cap go. Stock down you. So you love Captain America and you hate French toast. Okay, I'm just noting that down. Uh, <laughs> breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You are slowly painting me in a xenophobe. This is terrible. No, of course, no, of course, that's not actually the case here. I'm just just teasing. This one is meant to be tough for you, Sats. Maybe it won't be, but I, I tried to make it tough for you. Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, and Steve Young. Oh, wow. Okay, so this is tough. I have a real fondness for Steve Young because I feel like he's like a man. He's the Captain America of football players. He's a man out of time. If Steve Young were playing now, he would be blowing up, like dominating everything. Chris Carter actually told me that Steve Young was faster than he was. And Chris is a Hall of Fame (laughs) wide receiver. Like that is insanity. The schemes that people could come up with. I feel like when people say they want a dual threat quarterback, what they really want is Steve Young. So I will extend Steve Young because to me, like he is the perfect quarterback. He's accurate. He plays. He's gutsy, fast as hell. I extend him. I have to tag Jerry Rice because, I mean, he's arguably the greatest football player of all time. Like you, you cannot dispute that. And what puts Rice over Montana for me is the longevity. Jerry Rice was having thousand yard seasons in his 40s. Joe Montana, the reason that Steve Young even emerged is because Bill Walsh lost faith in Joe Montana's ability to come back from injury and still be the player that he was. Steve Young tells an incredible story in his book about how Bill Walsh literally held a workout with Steve Young while he was under contract with the Buccaneers. A thousand percent illegal, a thousand percent tampering. And Bill Walsh tells Steve Young during this workout, ah, Joe's done. Joe's got a back injury. Guys don't come back from those. You're going to be the guy. I want you. I'm going to build it around you. Of course, Steve Young gets there. Joe Montana's flying around preseason practice, and Steve got a little mad because Joe looked pretty spry. But he lost faith in Montana for a reason. Jerry's longevity and his greatness puts him over the top. So as much as I hate to do it, I let Joe walk. Wow. I think that's crazy. Um, I mean, it is a tough activity, but I'm going to extend Jerry Rice because I think he is just the GOAT. Uh, I mean, he's just, just untouchable. I, I, again, I've, I've talked about it before. Like, just look up his numbers and then look how far away everyone else is. It's, it's insane what he did. Uh, so have to extend Jerry Rice. And then I'm gonna, man, I think Steve Young is more fun. So in that way, he is not like Captain America. He's not boring. Um, but I'm gonna tag Joe Montana because, you know, he's the original. He's the legend. Uh, and I'm gonna have to let Steve Young walk. I don't love it, but, uh, it's where I'm going. All right. I think you're making a mistake. Well, that brings us to one final one here, stats. Uh, This is relevant to the SB Nation NFL show. It is the Monday football Monday crew of Michael Kist, RJ Ochoa, and Pete Sweeney. All right. Well, now you're putting me in a tough spot because Kist is my boss. Mm, I know. All right. I have to extend RJ. I mean, we do the show on Thursdays. I mean, I can't, I can't get rid of RJ. That, no, that's my guy right there. So I extend RJ. I love RJ. We've got a weird, stupid thing planned for Thursday's show that involves Taylor Swift that he came up with. So I can't wait to do that. Extend <laughs> RJ. I have to tag Kiss. I mean, Michael Kiss, not in addition to being a very smart man, is also a very, very handsome man. <laughs> in case he's listening i just want to make sure I, I state that and make that clear pete sweeney he's okay i mean he's a chiefs fan and i i i can't extend or keep a chiefs fan around when they just beat my team in the super bowl so i have to let pete walk i'm sorry pete ah so it comes down to me here stats and uh look you know the kiss factor aside uh, I, I was considering that. I'm like, don't I just extend him and try to suck up to him, my boss here? Uh, but there was a time, Stats, where I was Michael Kiss's boss, and he left me. 
So I'm spurned. Ah. I'm a spurned lover. And uh, so I'm going to let him walk. I'm gonna, and I'm, I'm totally going to regret that because Kist is going to hunt me down and uh, and maybe just destroy my life. <laughs> uh, so so I am probably going to regret that. I'm going to tag Pete because, uh, you know, I like Pete. Uh, but I, I know, which leaves the big, the big shocking surprise, which means I'm extending RJ, my, my rival, my nemesis. But I thought about it like this, Stats. And I did put thought into this beforehand. Uh, I think RJ and I are like the Batman and the Joker. Like, we need each other. Like, as much as we don't want to admit that, um, we're on opposite ends of the spectrum. And I think it's, it's, you know, a dynamic where, uh, the, the two extremes, uh, actually need each other to survive. So as much as I maybe don't like to admit that, uh, and I guess you guys can figure out who, which one is Batman and which one is Joker. Uh, obviously, uh, I think I'm not the evil one, but <laughs> up to you to decide. And I'm going to extend RJ. Wow. I would not have chosen that. Again, I'm just pointing out for no one in particular that you chose to let Michael Kist walk and I chose to extend him. So I have <laughs> clearly the most faith in Michael Kist and you do not. Again, he left me. I'm sad. Uh, we had a good time together, but you know it's just over. He's like you're Reggie White, right? He left the <laughs> yeah, Eagles. Yes. He went to the Pack. He went on to better, bigger, and better things with the Packers. Yeah, and look, he won a Super Bowl, so Michael Kist is going to win uh, another scouting or podcast award, <laughs> all the, to add to his you know trophy case. So it'll be good for him. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of the Off Day Debrief. Again, please rate, review, subscribe. If you disagree with any of our choices, please let us know about it in the comments section. Also, you can tweet us on Twitter. Again, I'm at Stats on Fire. BLG is at Brandon Gowden. Use the hashtag Oddcast is the best. Keep them coming. We'll, we'll love to talk about it. We love to keep the show going on Twitter. That's one of the main parts of social media that I enjoy. So please keep those coming. And uh, enjoy the offseason, everybody. We are steamrolling towards what is going to be some really interesting times. BLG, thank you very much for the time. Mm-hmm.